Welcome to all those joining us for Chaim Oharan. We're continuing this year, and we're starting a new section today called Sipurim Chadoshim, New Stories. This is a unique, interesting part of the Sefer, which deals with visions and dreams that Rabbein Azal had. For some of them, we have incredible interpretations, and for some, we don't. <clears throat> Today, Mitzvahim, we're going to cover the first two. The first one, we do not have any interpretation explanation. The second one, we have a very deep, special explanation and interpretation for it. The year was five thousand five hundred and sixty-five. Rabbi, we dedicate the learning today for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it including Chaviva Chana Basgalia, Baruch Mordechai Ben Tali, Michal Esther Bas Ruhia, Yaakov Yeshua Ben Freindel Rechel, David Lei Ben Shena, Ella Bas Lea, Chaim Aryeh Ben Brocha, Chaim Ben Rochel, Idis Bas Miriam Breindel, Toivo Bas Chava Perro, David ben Behia Shendel Basleya, Behia Basia Bas Shendel, Besoch Shar Choyle Yisrael. Rabbi Nezal says, I was standing next to a table and leaning over to the sea, and all the nations of the world and all the kings stood and were looking, and they were, they were amazed. And Rabbi Nezal says, this is Shulchan Malachim, a table for kings. And the sea represented the Yam HaChachma, the sea of knowledge and wisdom, which I will reveal, which, which no tzaddikim of the past have revealed yet. This is one vision that Rabbi Nezal said he had. The next one, two years later, in the city of Breslov already, Parshas Vayechi, Rabbi Nezal said that after I was Mekadesh, I'm sorry, this is Rabbi Nezal speaking, and saying, after I was Mekadesh the Levana by myself, Rabbi Nezal said to me, if you would be happy, it would be a major benefit for the world. And then Rabbi Nezal went on to tell this vision. He said he saw in a dream that there was a large number of soldiers that were walking, and there were a, a large number of birds flying behind them. A huge, huge number. And Rabbi Nezal said, I asked the one who was next to me, why are those birds flying, following these soldiers, accompanying these soldiers? And he told me that these birds are, are going to help these soldiers. I asked him how. And he said to me that these birds have the ability to place a certain liquid whereby that liquid brings death upon the enemies, the opponents of these soldiers. And this is how they help them. And Rabbi Nezal said, but it was hard for me to understand where these birds drop, place this liquid, 
these soldiers are in the area also, and it would seem that it would cause harm to them also. And while this question was in my mind, I saw that the birds started to lower themselves to the point where they were all on the ground. And they were walking behind these soldiers, and they were picking up something from the ground with their beak. And the, the, the object that they picked up was round, and it wasn't food. And again, I didn't understand. How are these birds following these soldiers? Because people walk much more, qui more, more quickly than birds. And what's this thing that they're picking up from the ground? And I was told that this object that they're picking up from the ground, this is what becomes that fluid that they use to kill the opponents, the opposition. Wherever they place that liquid, that causes them to, to pass away and die in the place where they are. And Rabbi Nezal said there were several things that would bother me, several questions that I had about this, but I don't remember what they were. I entered into a hidden place, and I saw that the opening was very low. But still, I went in there, and I lay down there by myself. There were no windows in that room, and it was dark, and I went into there because I wanted to hide. So sure enough, I hid myself there, and then suddenly some of these birds started to come in, and I wanted to chase them away, and I tried making a motion with my hands to chase them away, but there was a cat standing there by the entranceway, sort of, you know, blocking them from leaving. And birds usually are afraid of a cat. So because of that, they all came into the room. And no matter what I tried to do with my hands to motion for them to leave, it didn't help because of the cat that was there. And I asked, why are they coming here? And I was told they're coming in order to get pax, pakin in Yiddish, the world, the word, which means pax, like small pax, chicken pax. And I asked why. And they said to me that this liquid of pax is the liquid that they use with which to kill the opposition. So I asked, but can't these packs kill them also? And I was told, yes, it's true. And from those, from the corpses of those that die, that causes harm to that place, that area where they die. And Rabbi Nezal said, I was, I was very upset because I was afraid that I shouldn't die from the stench of these corpses because there were many birds there. So I, I davened to Hashem regarding this, and then these pakin left, and they went back to, to, their, to being healthy, all of these birds, and the birds flew out of there happily. And all the other birds, one bird flew out of there happily, and all the other birds joined him. And there was a tremendous outcry in the world, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. And Rabbi Nezal said, I also cried out, Mazel Tov. And this is the end of the vision, this vision or dream that Rabbi Nezal saw. And I, I believe we don't have an explanation, interpretation for it.
Now comes a third vision. I mentioned there were going to be two. I didn't realize that the, the short thing that I mentioned in the beginning was also a separate vision. This next one is one of the fantastic chapters in Likutei Maran, chapter 20 in Likutei Maran, which I believe Rabbi Nezal said on a Rosh Hashanah, if I'm not mistaken. And it, it's based on one of the deep, deep secrets in the Zohar HaKadosh, where the Zohar HaKadosh speaks about the beard. And the Zohar HaKadosh speaks about tes tikunin yakirin ismasrin ledikna, that there are nine holy tikunim that are given over to the beard. And the Zohar HaKadosh describes how a beard grows, and Rabbein Azal gives an incredible interpretation of each line there in the Zohar HaKadosh, how it connects to a chapter on Likud Imran, where Rabbein Azal speaks about the importance of coming to Eretz Yisrael. He speaks about how when a person is davening Tashem, you have to be extremely careful to plead with Hashem, not to try to grab, not to use any power in, in trying to take something from Hashem, but only rachamim and tachnunim, pleading and begging. And Rav Zal tells us that during that summer, Rav Zal said an incredible vision. This was in the beginning of the summer of 5,564. Rav Zal said, I'm going to tell you something that I saw, and you'll tell it to your children. And this vision Rav Zal told over, and we're going to see at the end, Rav Zal said that this chapter of Likut Imran is an explanation of this vision. And sure enough, we're going to discuss the explanation. And Rav Zal said, in addition, the entire Likut Imran, every chapter of Likut Imran, is connected to this story, has somewhat of the ability to shed some light on one aspect of this vision. Now we begin. Try to listen carefully, try to follow. Rabbein Azal says, a person was lying on the ground, and around this person there were circles of people. There was a circle and then another circle, and another circle, like these concentric circles. And then, outside of these circles, there were also people that were sitting there without any particular order. Now, the one that was in the center, the one who was lying, leaning over, sort of, was moving his lips, and while he was moving his lips, all the people around him were also following suit. They were also moving their lips. Then afterwards I saw that suddenly that person in the middle disappeared. And all those that were in those circles surrounding him stopped moving their lips. And I asked, what is this? And I was told that this one in the middle suddenly became cold and, 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 and stopped speaking. And as a result of that, all the others stopped speaking also. Then suddenly, all of them started running, and I ran after them, and I saw two beautiful palaces. And in those palaces were two commanders, two princes, 
So all of these people ran to those princes. In Hebrew, the word is sororois. And they started arguing with them. Why did you, why did you, why did you turn us off the right path? And they wanted to kill them. And these commanders, these princes ran out. And Rabbi Nezal says, I saw them. And the quality of these two impressed me very much. I was very, very much impressed by the quality of these two, and I ran after them. I saw in the distance a beautiful tent, and the people was, and, and, and there was a, an outcry to these two princes, return, go back, and, and search for all of your merits, all of your good deeds that you have, and take them with your hands, and bring them to the candle that's burning there. And then you'll be able to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish. So sure enough, these princes went back, they gathered up all of their zechuyos, all of their merits, and they were bundles and bundles of merits, of all kinds of good deeds that they had done. And they ran to this candle. And Rabbi Nezal says, I ran after them and I saw a candle burning in midair. And these princes went and they threw their merits at this candle. And sparks came flying out of this candle into their mouths and then went back into the candle. And this candle turned into a river. The Hebrew word for candle is ner, and a river is a nohar. The ner became a nohar, and all of them drank from this river, and this created beings inside of them. And when they started speaking, these beings came out of their mouth. Rabbi Nezal calls them brios. And I saw I saw them from the river, and I saw them become <clears throat> these briois inside of them. And when they began speaking, these briois came out. And I saw them running, going back and forth, back and forth, these briois. They were not humans. They weren't animals. They were briois, creations. Now, afterwards these princes decided to go back to their original place. But they said, how can we go back to our place? How can we go back? So someone spoke up and said, let's send one of these that are, let's send a messenger to the one who is standing there and holding that gigantic sword, that sword that goes from earth all the way, reaches all the way from heaven to earth. So they said, who should we send? And they decided to send some of those creations. We're going to see that these creations are actually malachim, angels. The term malach means angel, and the term malach means a messenger. So sure enough, these messengers went there. They went to the place of this one who's holding this gigantic sword. And Rabbi Nezal said, I ran after them. 
and I saw this one who was holding this sword that goes from heaven to earth, and it was awesome. And this sword had several blades, multiple blades. One blade, which the purpose of this blade was to kill, another blade which imposes poverty, another blade which causes sickness, weakness, and, and several other blades that can, that can inflict other punishments. And these Briois started pleading that it's been such a long time that we've been suffering so much from you, from the one who is holding this sword. Now, help us <clears throat> and help us get to our place. And he said, I can't help you. So they said, maybe give us the blade that kills and will kill those that are blocking us from getting to our place. And he refused. They asked for a different blade and he also refused. He refused to give them any blade. So they went back. <clears throat> and now suddenly a command came to kill those princes and they were beheaded. This is part one. Rabbeinazal continues, now suddenly this vision repeated itself, but with some modifications. <clears throat> the one who was lying on the ground, and around him the circles, <clears throat> and then they ran to those princes, all of that like in the first vision. However, this time I saw that the princes did not throw their merits at the candle, <clears throat> but rather they took these packages and packages of merits and they went to the candle and they poured out their hearts. They began pleading in front of the candle, pleading for divine assistance. And now sparks again came out of the candle into their mouth and they continued pleading and begging and then again, from the candle became a river, and from the river came forth these briyas, these creations. <clears throat> and Rabbi Nezal said, and I was told that these are going to live. These princes are going to live. The previous ones deserved death because they threw their merits at the candle. They didn't plead the way these princes did this time. And I didn't understand, what is this all about? So I was told, go to this particular room, and there you'll be given an explanation of this whole vision. I went there, and there was an elderly person sitting there, a zokain. The word zokain means an elderly person. The word zokain in Hebrew also means the beard. So I asked him about this. I asked him about this whole vision, and he took hold of his beard with his hand, and he said to me, my beard is an explanation for this story. So I said to him, I still don't understand. And he said to me, go to this room, and over there you'll find an explanation. I went there, and I saw a room that was long and wide, gigantic, gigantic and it was full of writings. 
And wherever I opened any of these writings, I saw an explanation, an interpretation of this vision. Rabbi Nelson Zal says, all of this I heard from Rabbi Nelson's mouth, holy mouth, verbatim. And Rabbi Nelson said that all of the Torahs that he says, all of them have hints regarding explaining this story. However, chapter 20 in Likut Imran, which begins with Tisha Tikunim, nine, the nine Tikunim of the beard, that entire Torah is an explanation. And Rav Nassim writes, a person who is a masculine, a person who is smart, will understand some incredible hints regarding this story from that chapter on Likut Imran. <clears throat> And now he begins, Rav Zal begins explaining in Chayim Aran, and we're going to hear, I'm going to try to give over as much as possible. We can't go into every detail of that chapter on the Kutimran, but we'll try to clarify many points, and we'll take questions afterwards. And Rav Nachman Chirin, one of Rav Zal's greatest students, in his commentary of the Kutimran, Paparois L'Chachma, he quotes Rav Zal's explanation, and he also adds some additional insights to this. There's a posuk, posach tzur vayazuvu moyim. The rock opened up and gave forth water. You remember when the Jews were traveling in the desert, at one point they didn't have water and they complained to Moshe Rabbeinu, and my, Moshe, Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, okay, go ahead, <clears throat> go over to the rock, strike it, and water will come forth. And it did. And the Gemara tells us this was in the Zechus of Miriam Hanavia. So the Pasuk says, Posach Tzur Vayazuvu Moim. The rock opened up and waters flowed. Now the word Tzur means a rock, and the word Tzur also refers to the heart. The heart is a Pasuk Tzur Levavi, the rock of my heart. We know there's a concept of lev ho'even, stone-hearted. And this could refer to the Shekhinah, the heart. The heart of the world is the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah is called lev simcha. We've mentioned from the Arizal, the Pasuk Oyer Zoru al or the Yishrei lev simcha, that the words lev simcha are begematria Shekhinah. When a person's heart is filled with joy, they have the divine presence, the Shekhinah, in their heart. And now Rav Zal says, this one who was lying on the ground and then suddenly disappeared, and the explanation was given <clears throat> that it's because they became cold and therefore they stopped, they stopped producing. This refers to the holy neshama. Rav Zal begins that chapter on Ikut Imran by telling us that there is a holy neshama from whom all explanations of Torah in the, in the world all come from this, are, are all revealed via this soul. <clears throat> and Rabbi Nezal goes on to say there that this soul suffers tremendously. As the Mishnah says in Perkyavos, you'll have to eat bread with salt and you'll drink water. And it also says, Rabbi Nezal does not quote this, 
but if it said it does say in the Mishnah there, Valhoaretz Tishon, and you will lie on the ground. And Rabbeinazal says there that all of the all those who explain the Torah, all of them receive their knowledge, their explanation from this soul, this special soul. And this soul, its words are like hot coals, blazing. <clears throat> because it's only possible for a person to draw these waters of Torah if their words are like these hot coals. Because we know there's a Pasuk in Yirmi which says, Hashem says, my words are like fire. And then Rabbi Nezal goes on to say, when this neshama falls, it loses that fire, it becomes cold, <clears throat> then it passes away. And when this neshama passes away, all of the explanations of Torah that were coming via that soul also leave. And all those who were explaining the Torah previously, now suddenly they can no longer, they no longer have the ability to explain and to clarify the Torah. Now we're told that Miriam Hanaviyah, the water, the water that was provided for the Jews in the desert was in the merit of Miriam Ahavia. And we're told that Miriam passed away in a place called Tzin, Midbar Tzin. The word Tzin means cold, very cold. <clears throat> and shortly afterwards, when there was a major, a major machlokis broke out against Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron Akoyim. And Rabbeinu Zal goes on to explain the reason why this machlekes breaks out is because these explanations of Torah have disappeared. A level of clarity has been lost. And this leads to machlekes, this tremendous machlekes. Rav Zal says at this point, study carefully, look carefully at the story and at the chapter on the Kutimran and you'll understand many awesome connections. Now they all, the people, went running to these princes and began to argue with them. This is the machlekes that Rabbi Nezal speaks about in Likut Imran that broke out. And it's, Rabbi Nezal says it's possible that these princes are Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron Koyen, who passed away because of the waters, Meimariva it's called, the waters of arguments, of machlekes, where the Jews were arguing and complaining to Moshe Rabbeinu and Arakayim, you're killing us, you're not giving us water, you're not providing us with life. And, and this resulted in a level of confusion where Moshe Rabbeinu ended up striking the rock. This was a second time. The first time that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu to give the Jews water, Hashem said to strike the rock. But the second time, Hashem said to speak to the rock. And instead, because of all of the commotion, the arguing and the screaming and everything that took place, and Moshe Rabbeinu tried speaking to the rock, nothing was happening, he struck the rock. And Rabbeinu Zal goes on to explain there, the rock in this case represents the Shekhinah, like we said earlier, Tzur Levavi. And when a person wants to draw, to receive from the Shekhinah, the only way, the right way to do it is by pleading, Rachamim and Tachnunim. And unfortunately, they did, that when Moshe Rabbeinu struck the rock, it implied that he was trying to use his merits, his zechuyas and everything, to take with power, 
to take something from Hashem. And Rav Nassau explains this candle from which these sparks came out into their mouth, and then these sparks went back to the candle and it became a river. This refers to those warm words. Rabbi Nassau says there that, that when a person prays to Hashem properly, pleading and begging, they're able to draw diburim chamim, warm, fiery words from this divine divine presence of the Shekhinah, from the heavenly heart. And that's what enables them to draw these explanations of Torah. And that's why it says that the candle became a river. The candle represents the heart, Kaviochel. The heart is beating constantly. The heart creates friction, heat, like a candle generates heat. And the Zohar Kodesh says in one place, were it not for the air conditioning system, were it not for the lungs that cool off the heart, the heart would burn up the whole body. So the heart is compared to a fire, this candle, this burning candle. And in the beginning, sparks were coming out of this heart into their mouth. That represents these fiery words, these warm words that people draw from the Shekhinah with which to plead to the Shekhinah, with which to plead our case to the Shekhinah. And afterwards, this candle turned into a river that represents the flow of Torah, the explanations of Torah, which they received and drew. The, the term explanation is called Biure HaTorah. Leva'er means to explain, and a Be'er is a well, a well of water. Now Rav Nosenzal explains the fact that they threw their merits means that they used, their, when, they were ple- when they were presenting their case to Hashem, that Hashem should provide water, they mentioned all the good deeds that they had done in the past and all of their merits, which means Rav Nosenzal in that chapter on the Kutimran shows that a person's good deeds and merit that's their power, that's their strength. That's like a stick. A stick is something that, that a person uses to show strength. They used their merits and, and mitzvahs and ma'asim toivim to try to sort of demand from Hashem that Hashem give them what they're asking for. And Rabbi Nassau in that chapter in the Kutimran says, this was the mistake, this is the explanation behind the mistake that Moshe Rabbeinu made in striking the rock. It, do, it, doesn't, it doesn't only mean a physical striking of a rock. It represents this concept of Moshe Rabbeinu, instead of pleading and begging Hashem to provide the Jews with water, he used his zechuyos. He tried to use his zechuyos to be able to get this result from Hashem. And Rabbi Nassau goes on to explain over there in that chapter in the Kutimran, a tzaddik, a tzaddik, when he's trying to bring people close to Hashem, the people that he's dealing with usually have good and bad in them. And the tzaddik is responsible to get rid of the bad. And in order to get rid of the bad, that's where he needs that stick. That's where he needs to use his zuchuyos in order to be able to eliminate the ra, 
from these people who are coming to him. But when the tzaddik is standing in front of Hashem, pleading his case to Hashem, there, no sticks. No schuyos. There a person is supposed to come to Hashem. Even the tzaddik is supposed to come to Hashem like a poor person. We, like, like an oni. We know that before we begin the Shemayin Esrei, we say, V'oizer dalim, V'oinel liyamo Yisroel be'etz shavam elav. Hashem helps the poorest of the poor, and He answers the prayers of those who call out to Him. And this is giving us this message that when we're, when we're davening to Hashem, it's extremely important that that's a time to put aside our merits, our good deeds. That's a time to plead like one who doesn't deserve anything. Hashem doesn't owe me anything. I'm pleading and begging for Hashem's kindness. Ram- Correct. Correct, I believe yes. Now these briois that were that were created, we said when they op- and when they opened their mouth, these briois came out of their mouth. Rab Nelsonzal says these are the spiritual powers, the spiritual forces that Rabbeinazal mentions in that chapter on the Kutumran, which are holy angels that are created from the letters of the words of Torah that these tzaddikim are mechadesh, these tzaddikim are drawing these waters of Torah from the Shekhinah, and when these tzaddikim reveal Torah, the letters of Torah that they reveal, that they speak, each, each one of these letters is malochim. Now these malochim need to go get the power, the power that they need to accomplish a certain mission, which will come to soon, they need to go get that power from Edoim, from the nation of Edoim, from Esav, Edoim. Because the Torah tells us that Esav was given the blessing to live by the sword. And when the Jews were traveling from Egypt to Eretz Yisrael, and they wanted to enter into Eretz Yisrael, and they knew that there were seven nations there, seven powerful nations, and there were 31 kings that were there at the time, and it was, wasn't going to be easy to get rid of them. They knew that they had to try to go get the sword, the power of the sword, from Edoim, from Esau. And sure enough, Moshe Rabbeinu sent messengers to the nation of Edoim, asking, allow us to pass through your land. And sure enough, and Esau, Edoim, is the one who has this sword that has these diverse different blades, which can give all kinds of different punishments. However, unfortunately, because Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron HaKoyim had not done this properly, because they struck the rock, instead of speaking to the rock, because of that, Edoim refused to give them any, any sword, any, any blade whatsoever, any power at all. Because in order to be able to succeed in this mission, a person has to break the heart and plead. Whereas to draw this Torah from that heart, that could only be done with rachamim and tachnunin, pleading and begging. And Rabbi Nelson Zal adds here, V'doik heitev ma'oid ba'a Torah. 
look carefully at the chapter on Likut Imran, at every word there, and the story, and you'll see how it fits together beautifully. Rav Nosenzal says, and after you'll see all of these connections, still, this is very hidden and very closed, but still, whatever we can understand from it is an incredible benefit to our soul. And he goes on to say that it's a major, major zechus for a person when our thoughts are thinking about Rabbeinazal's words, which are so awesome. And Rabbeinazal says here, it's impossible to, to praise Rabbeinazal properly so that we don't diminish, we don't minimize his true greatness. Because no matter what you want to add in describing how great Rabbeinazal was, you, you're, you're decreasing, you're taking away, you're detracting. And, and Rabbeinazal Rab, Rab, makes reference to a Gemara in Brachas, page 33, that, this, that the, the Gemara says there, that when we want to speak the praises of Hashem in the beginning of Shemayin Esrei, we say, Hagodol, Hagibor, Vahanoira. There are three major praises there. And a Jew is not allowed to add to that. Jews are going to say, wow, I can think of other adjectives, other words, not allowed to. Because the Gemara says this could be compared to a king who no matter what you say about him, you're not doing justice. So we're only allowed to say the praises which the Torah has shown us we're permitted to say. And Rav Nosanzal goes on to say, whatever you're going to find, wherever you're going to find any places in our writings where we're speaking about the greatness of Rav Nosanzal, you need to know that it's nothing. It's nothing compared to, it's not even like a drop in the ocean in describing how great Rav Nosanzal really was because we're not qualified, we're not capable of, of describing his greatness at all, because Rabbeinazal was incredibly hidden from human comprehension. And even great tzaddikim cannot comprehend even an iota of Rabbeinazal's greatness. We have no idea. It's just the few Torahs, incredible Torahs that Rabbeinazal revealed in his Sfarim, and the incredible stories, from that we get an idea, we can get an idea of a drop of a realization as to how great Rabbeinazal really was. And he says, Ashrei Yelud Isha, how fortunate is a human being who was to such incredible levels that the mouth cannot describe and the heart cannot fathom. How, and despite that, we can still say a little bit of what we saw with our own eyes. However, Rav Nassau says, still it would be possible to tell over a little bit of how of Rav Nassau's praises. However, if a person is smart, they know to be quiet now about this because of the tremendous opposition that Rav Nassau suffered during his lifetime. I want to continue a little bit more with the a little bit more of the explanation, and then we'll take questions. Rav Nosanzal says the fact that these messengers asked for the blade that can kill, and the, the this giant refused to give it to them, 
And then they asked for another blade, and he also refused. The reason is because Rabbein Azal explains in that chapter on Likut Imran that when the Jews encounter their enemies, we have to be able to punish them sometimes, sometimes with death, sometimes in other ways. But Edoim refused to give us that power. So they asked, give us another power, and refused to give them anything at all because of this mistake that had been made by Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron HaKoyen. Now, when we saw in the story, they asked, give us this power so that we can return to our place. What is our place? This means to come to Eretz Yisrael. Because they needed to receive from Edom the power to punish the Rishoim in order to be able to enter into Eretz Yisrael. And that's also why they said to this one who had the sword in his hand that we've been suffering from you such a long time. And, and in the Chumash it says, the messengers said to the people of Edom, you know all the different suffering that we've been through. Rabbi Nezal says there in the Kutman, you know especially because all of the punishments that the Jewish people suffer and endure are all coming via Esav, via Edoin. Now, afterwards, when Rabbi Nezal said, I didn't understand this at all, and they told me, I was told, go there. <coughs> I was told, go to this room, and you'll be given an explanation. And I went there and I saw this Zokain. I saw this elderly person who said that his beard is an explanation for this story because that entire chapter, Likutim Aran, Rabbi Nezal shows at the end of the chapter how it's all connected to the secrets that the Zohar Kodesh reveals about the beard. Now, and therefore, when this vision repeated itself a second time, we're told that the second time, these princes were careful not to throw their merits at the candle, but rather they took their merits with them, they went over to the candle, but they broke their hearts, and they began pleading to the, before this candle. And then we were told that these are going to live. The early ones deserved death, a death penalty because they threw their merit at the candle. They didn't plead like these. Meaning that, again, this teaches us that the main mistake of Moshe Rabbeinu was that he didn't draw these waters of Torah by pleading and begging, but rather he used his powerful stick, meaning he used his merits. That's this concept of striking the rock. The stick with which he struck the rock represents his zechuyos, his good deeds and everything. The rock represents the lev ha'elyon, the divine heart, kaviyochel. And therefore now, they're careful to, to, when they pray, always to pray with rachamim and tachnunim. Rab Nosanzal closes by saying, <coughs> May Moshiach come speedily in our days and bring us peacefully into our holy Eretz Yisrael 
and then everything will be rectified. Bimheira biameinu, amen. With this, we complete Rav Nosenzal's explanation of this vision. Any questions, please? I'm sorry, please say that again. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Rav Nosenzal was speaking to the people, to his students, to the people he, who he was addressing at that time, and, and he wrote this down also. So it's important to note that he wrote it for the people at that time and also as a message for us that when it comes to speaking about Rabbi Nezal's praises, those that learn his forum and those that, that have been given an idea, an inkling as to the greatness of Rabbi Nezal and some of the things even we know that Rabbi Nezal himself told us about himself, need to take this into account. Need to take it into account that during even during Rabbi Nezal's lifetime, all the tzaddikim were not in agreement with him. There was machloikis at the time, unfortunately. There was machloikis from the Shpala Zeda. And then during Rab Nosenzal's lifetime, there was much greater machloikis. Five years of horrific machloikis from the Savrana. And, and there were others who were not friendly, even though there were many tzaddikim that sided with Rabbi Nezal and respected him. The ones who wrote the Haskamas on Likutei Maran, Rabbi Levitz Rabbi Avram Kalisker, many great tzaddikim who had tremendous respect, the Shepetovka, who had deep respect and love for Rabbi Nezal. But because of the opposition that Rabbi Nezal had during his lifetime, and the severity of the opposition during Rabbi Nezal's lifetime, and even afterwards, we know that even in our times, there are people, descendants of the Savrana Hasidim, and there also, we were told, there, there are shuls where they tore up, they, if they see a breast of a sefer, they tear it up, or they put it in, she, some put it in Shemus without tearing it, some tear it first, Rahman al-Islam. So therefore, Rabbi Nassim says, we have to exercise some caution in speaking about Rabbi Nassim's greatness, who you're telling it to, and, and when you're saying it, and to what degree, and the kind of descriptions that we use. Thank you. What is it that they are opposing them? What's the Indian of the Machlis? What were they opposed? Who did they were opposing? There's a lot to say about this. One of the things, Rav writes in a place, <coughs> in Likutei that Rav Nassim was a great-grandson of the Baal Shem Toiv. And during Rav time already, Hasidus started taking a downturn where Hasidus started off, the word Chosid means Lifnim Mishura Sadin, those who go above and beyond the law, meaning they follow the law perfectly, and that's not even enough for them. They do more than that. And during Rabbi Nezal's lifetime, things started changing, uh, uh, where Rahman al-Slan, they were Hasidish Fabrengen, where the drinking was the highlight of the Fabrengen, and the Divrei Torah were second fiddle, in terms of how much Torah is spoken. There are examples of, of Tishn, where there's a Tish, a major Tish, 
and no divrei Torah spoken. Whereas we know the Baal Shem Tov HaKodosh and the other tzaddikim, his students, when there was a tish, the highlight of the tish was the divrei Torah. There was singing, there was food, but the highlight was the divrei Torah that was spoken, the biurei Torah. And things started changing dramatically, uh, 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 where, where the focus was, was, was misdirected. And in terms of Hasidim having a reputation of davening late, davening after this man, again, the Baal Shem Tov davened nates. It's, it's clearly presented in his forum. And other things like that, which Rabbeinazal spoke out against. Rabbeinazal was very clear and very specific to those who would listen to him about Avodah Hashem. He spoke about Chatzois, he spoke about Hispoidus, you know, he spoke about Avodah Hashem in its purest forms. He said he, he wanted to revive the Derech of the Baal Shem Tov, clapping during davening, other things. And, and this, is one of the, this is one of the things that caused some opposition, that Rabbeinazal was going in a different direction. He was going in an upswing when, when others weren't necessarily going in the same upswing. In addition, we know, Rabbeinazal said that Sadikim, there are certain places in Shamayim that they want to get to that they can't get to without Machlekes. They have to go through Machlekes in order to be able to... So that, that's another factor that was involved. And Rabbeinazal mentioned that a person is compared to a tree. Ki ha'odam eitz ha'sodeh. And a tzaddik especially is compared to a tree. It says when Moshe Rabbeinu sent the Meraglim Teretz Yisroel, he said to them, go there and see hayesh bo eitz imayin. See if there's a tree there or not. Rashi there points out, quoting the Gemara, he asked them, go see if there's any major tzaddik there whose merit is protecting those nations that are living in Eretz Yisrael now. So, and Rabbi Nezal said that just like a tree, in order for it to grow, you have to throw water at it, so too a tzaddik, in order for him to grow, he has to endure this machloikis, having insults thrown at him, this type of thing. This is some of the insights. There's a lot more throughout Likuti Maran, throughout Likuti Alochas, of explaining what type of machloikis and why machloikis and, and, and what it accomplishes. Anyone else, please? Connecting to this, we know that in the Seder plate, we have the moror. The, the moror is the, the bitter, bitterness. And we're told that Klal Yisrael in Mitzrayim, chayehem, their lives were embittered. <coughs> Rabbi Nezal has a Torah in the Quran where he speaks about this, that in order to, for a person to be cured and healed properly, they have to take medicines. And medicines represent merirus. Usually me- medicines are bitter. There's a posuk, hine l'shalom mar mar. Rabbi Nezal says that any time that a person is suffering illness or any type of suffering, usually it's because of an imbalance, a lack of shalom in the different elements in the body. The body is comprised of different elements, esh, ruach, mayim, ofor, fire, water. 
Ruach, the, ruach is, is air or spirit, and offer earth, earthliness. And, and all this form, right, that it's only when these are all in perfect harmony and balance and there's perfect shalom between them, then the person is healthy and well. When there's any kind of an imbalance, that results in illness and suffering, etc. And Rabbi Nezal shows there that the, 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 the shalom comes through Merirus. We know that Klal Yisrael were given the mitzvah of Shabbos in a place called Mora. Shabbos is called Shalom, peace. Mora means bitterness. And it says that they tried to drink the water, but it was very bitter. And Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, take a, a, a piece of wood, throw it into the water, and it'll sweeten the waters. This whole concept of Hamtokas Hadinim, which all the mitzvahs that we do are really all about. It's, it's the realization that there are these dinim, there is this judgments, these decrees and everything, which unfortunately are the result of our sins, our mistakes. Some of them date back to earlier generations, going all the way back to the time of Adam Arishan. The Arizal explains in the beginning of his explanation of the holiday of Pesach that the, the bitterness, the 210 years of suffering that Klal Yisrael suffered in Mitzrayim dated back to Adam Arishan, to things that Adam Arishan did during the 130 years that he separated from his wife, from Chava. And, and we, through our mitzvahs, through all the hachonas, all the preparation that we make for Pesach, and the actual mitzvahs that we do on Pesach, this is all a hamtoka, this is a sweetening, this is to turn it all around completely. And, and again, we have the matzah and the moror. We have the, these different combinations. And the moror gets dipped in charoises to sweeten it, but we're told that after you dip the mar in charoises, you're supposed to shake off the charoises. We're supposed to feel some of that bitterness of the maror, because it, it's actually a healing, it's a curing. Hashem knows that Klal Yisrael has been through enough bitterness. We've suffered and endured enough, enough bitterness. And, and it's time for the sweetness. It's time for the... Moshiach is called Sar Sholaim. Sar Shalom. It's, it's time for the, the master, the prince of peace to come and, and bring a, a, a permanent Shalom to the world. The world is in total chaos everywhere. Rahman al-Itzlan. By performing the mitzvahs, all the mitzvahs, the preparation for Pesach now, every iota of work and effort and spending money, shopping, stocker, everything that people are doing in preparation for Pesach and the mitzvahs of Pesach, should lead to the final gula. The Gemara says, Benisan Nigalu, U Benisan Asidan Ligoyal. We were taken out of Golas in Nisan, and in Nisan we're going to be taken out, which means, implies, that this is the month. This is the month where we have the greatest opportunity to bring about the, our personal gula. Friday night, today is Sunday morning, this year has been given on Sunday morning, Friday night we said in, in Lechadoidi, Korva el nafshi ga'ola. The Baal Shem says that there's a personal ga'ula, an individual ga'ula that each and every one of us needs to, to achieve. And then there's the ga'ula klali, the ga'ula for the entire klal Yisrael. To see that ga'ula shleima bimheira bi'ameinu, amein v'amein. There's a newsletter that we send out every week. <clears throat> In the newsletter it has 
other beautiful things related to Pesach, related to preparation of Pesach and the, the holiday itself. And on our website, Baruch Hashem, under Chagim, holidays, for Pesach, you'll see quite a number of shurim from my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld, shurim that we've given. To, to absorb the, the great light and bracha of this Yantif, Mitzvah We will not have the Sunday shir on Sunday of Chalamoid. We'll resume the shir, Mitzvah after Yantif is over.